0: Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host Chris Revel coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. We have uh, singer songwriter Jacob Holler on today. What a what a wonderful guy! Um, first off, check out his website music.jwgh.org. And I want to read you some praise on his website from Eddie Delta, the co-host of the, the Blues Record Podcast. If BB King and Weird Al Yankovic had a child, well, they probably would admit to it. But it would definitely be Jacob Holler. Uh, that kind of sums up Jacob, like a bluesy acoustic musician with a real sense of humor. Play one of his songs at the end of this episode. It's gonna be uh stale tequila. He has CDs. You can you know remember those? You could buy them. You could find them on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, P- Pinterest, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter. I mean, the guy a uh, Bandcamp, Reverb Nation. His website has everything you need make sure you go find up, go follow him on twitter like him on facebook get into it start listening to his music buy a cd that would be nice and um really just what a what a great episode so it turns out that we both live in the same city we never actually met and it's weird because we've actually crossed paths since we've recorded this you know how on facebook it does that really creepy thing when you go somewhere it's like see post with this person and it turns out he was performing at the farmer's market i go to but i was a day later at some point i'm gonna go see him play one of his shows and i guess we're gonna have to become friends because that's how this works and i can't wait uh but really just super nice funny uh we connected pretty early on over our love of wtf with mark Marin, so i was like all right instant bomb and it was cool to actually have someone on who's like a providence cat i'm If you're listening to this, you're probably not from Rhode Island. And you're like, Providence? like It is a small city and the smallest state in the country. But yet, we don't all know each other. Anyway, uh, make sure you find Jacob online. His website, again, music.jwgh.org. Find him on all social media. Listen to him on Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, yada, yada, yada. Also, um... Make sure you check out my other podcast Super Fast Flashcast with Tyler From the Cynical Cartoons Podcast We do uh, 20 minute recap episodes Of CW's The Flash This podcast is on the Misfits Podcast Network Find us on uh, Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast There's a Facebook page And um, like I say to anyone If anyone you want to be a guest Or know anyone who should be a guest uh, Just reach out and I'd love to uh, Love to set that up Well let's get to it (laughs) The hard the hard never thought that
1: hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I'm tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world train. Born the opposite of the winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner. East of Raj, Brucey B, get to
0: Brink, Funk Masterplex, love, bluff, star ski. I'll find a place to cut it in.
1: Sure. Cause I don't that know sounds... why. It's it's the Mark Marin
0: influence. Yes. Oh, all right. We're good. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that 99% sure that it was either between that or Nerdist, like the the two at the time I was the most obsessed with. Was like, yeah. Well, that's and it really was like, hey, this is what they do. I'm gonna yeah. do what they do. And then uh, yeah, um, thank you. Well, thank you for reaching out. Um, is Dana someone you actually knew, or is that just like coincidental?
1: No, I, I followed. You know, I, I I think the first thing I knew that she did was the. Uh, w- Y A not whatever it's called apocalyptic Y A novel or or whatever it is her parody Twitter account Mm -hmm. and um guy from your M F A yeah yeah and I thought I thought those were hilarious so I followed her on Twitter and I not even realizing that she lived in Providence at the time and then at at some point I was at an open mic and she showed showed up to do some comedy and I was like wait is that the same person
0: uh, oh, is that the comedy she was referring to? In this, when she I'm referring to Dana Schwartz. So everyone should go back listen to that wonderful episode. But she said she referred. I think she that might be the same. I Wonder if that's the same night she was referring to.
1: I think it was a different week because she was talking about uh, going to one in a basement someplace. And this okay. one ground floor felt, feels a little bit like a basement, but it's uh, no, it's actually a great music club. Up, um up on the East side uh, called the parlor, but, uh,
0: oh, okay, okay. Nice. but
1: it's, a, but it's always tricky, you know, doing comedy at a music open mic, like, cause people are not necessarily geared up for it. And so it's always kind of difficult. Um, and one thing I've noticed that, uh, you know, beginning comedians often do at, non-comedy open mics is when the audience fails to respond, they start making jokes about suicide, but she did not do that. So that was good.
0: Oh, good for you, Dana. If you ever hear this, that's, uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause there was a time where like, I know the nineties, that was like a, a big thing, I mean, I know it goes farther back to like, like cabaret and stuff, but like, I know, uh, Bobcat Goldwaith would like open for Nirvana and like David Cross would open up for like L seven. But then I don't know. I don't know. They're, it's weird. People are usually on the like one side, very hardcore music, or hardcore, co- or very much one side comedy. Um, I'm I'm kind of late to the game. I'm I was I'm a music person that came to comedy in the last mostly because of comedy podcasts mm-hmm. in about the last four or five years.
1: Yeah. Well, Paul Tompkins has uh, this bit where he talks about um, I forget who he was opening for, but he was opening for some band, and like a couple minutes into his ten minutes set people started throwing ice cubes at him you know but he did his time and he got off stage and and someone said to him you know you were really brave like you could have walked right off the stage but you stayed out there and he's like i could have walked off the stage i didn't even think of that oh jesus i i could have just left what
0: was what's wrong with me you no know, so oh that's amazing uh yeah it's it's funny because now i feel like there's it's funny when you meet someone like a, a music snob and then they turn around and listen to like the worst possible bland I, I i can't think of an example i'd never watched big bang theory but i imagine that's what i'm referring to mm-hmm and or, then, uh, but then Jeff it's like, Dunham. yeah you know that's always the one or like dane cook who i actually oh, i yeah. used to really like dane cook um right and i probably still do i don't know i don't really listen <laughs> to stand up a ton uh but then it's like and they go off in these deep tangents about albums and how you're wrong because you don't like this obscure band that put out a seven inch in japan And you're an idiot because you like one Taylor Swift song and then vice versa with the comedy snobs and they turn around and they're wearing like a Nickelback T-shirt. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, You know, I just – people like what they like. That's sort of what I've come to the conclusion of.
0: It took me a while to get to that point just to be like, Whatever stop judging people for what they like so you can tell people what you like without fearing the judgment that you give to others
1: <laughs> right although i do sometimes enjoy like a friend of mine made this post about um what's it called uh, cats in the cradle by cat stevens which is a song she just hates so much
0: oh is that in uh, that uh, harry chapin right
1: oh is oh you're right it's ha- harry chapin
0: not cat. i think cat stevens covered it you should yeah. you should go you're blast right, your friend chapin. on facebook for this
1: oh yeah, well, you that's know, healthy. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. And, and uh, you know, all the middle-aged men with daddy issues <laughs> came out of the woodwork to uh, defend the the song. It was yeah, really it, kind of glorious.
0: I always liked that song, but I never could relate to it. And now as, like, a adult, I'm like, oh, that's a good thing. That should be, like, the fatherhood test. When your kid hears it in their, like, 20s or 30s <laughs> and they don't relate to it, they're like – no, it's an okay song, so I guess. I think you guys like it a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> then you've well, passed the fathering.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's good. Test. Yeah. I yeah, like... I was thinking about that, because I was like, well, you know, I actually get along with my dad. And...
0: <laughs> oh, I love my parents. Yeah. And uh, I love my dad, too. And I mean, I think my love of uh, non-conventional music came from more of my dad than my mom. I got my love of pop music from my mom.
1: Yeah.
0: Which will never die. I fucking... I just love pop music so much, unabashedly, obsessively love it. Mm-hmm. Wow! Also, like other yeah, good music too. Yeah, yeah. Well, no,
1: nothing <laughs> wrong. You know, like a good crafted pop song. Like, what's wrong with that? I mean, my music is not like I, I don't have the pop chops exactly, but you know, they're three minute songs. They they have verses and you know, they're the the structure is pretty much borrowed from pop music. So, I can't really criticize it and. And I should say about Cats in the Cradle that uh, I don't share my friend's dislike of it, but I did appreciate just how much she disliked it, how she expressed it, and how people responded to it. That whole thing was very entertaining for me to observe.
0: (laughs) So um, are you from here? Because we're both in Providence, except I didn't have, like, a studio or anything fancy. So I was like, you probably don't want to come to my bedroom at 8 o'clock at night on a, what is it, Tuesday. Yeah.
1: As inviting as you make it sound.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, my wife can watch TV in the other room. It's great. We'll shut the yeah. door. There's nowhere to sit. It's, mm-hmm. it's very empty walls. We could just both
1: lie down. It'll be very casual.
0: <laughs> We'd have to hold hands. I mean, it'd be uh, weird if we didn't. No. yeah. <laughs> yeah obviously. Uh,
1: um, I actually, well, I was born in Arkansas, but uh, we oh, wow. moved We moved when I was like two or three, so I don't remember it at all. And I, I grew up in central Massachusetts. I didn't come to Providence until I went to college at Brown uh, and then I moved away for a couple of years to New Jersey when I had a job at an internet startup in Manhattan. And then, uh, uh, I quit and sold all my stock options and moved back to Providence just because it's, I, you know, it's about the right size city for me, I feel mm-hmm. like, and it also has a lot of good restaurants. So those two yes. things are key.
0: So two questions, where in Mass and where in Jersey? Cause those are both two areas I know very well. Okay. So, uh, are you from new, uh, New England? I grew up in Connecticut and then I moved here.
1: Okay, it, so I live. In, I grew up in Holland, Massachusetts. Yep, I okay.
0: uh, I was working in Milford and Grafton for about three years before this. Okay, so I, I I spent a ton of time in that area.
1: Yeah, right in New England. I if people haven't heard of Holland, which few people have, the next my next go to is the next town over is Sturbridge, and yep. everyone in New England has been there. Sadly, uh, yeah.
0: Well. Well, I just remember Sturbridge village and not liking it
1: okay fair enough
0: but I was very young
1: yeah right
0: I'm sure it's great
1: <laughs> kids hate it but no it, yeah it's uh I don't know my dad i here's my stir well let's see my um uh, my dad worked there for a time um later he became a teacher but when I think when we were first moved to Massachusetts he got a job at Ulsterbridge Village you know working it's a living history type museum for those who are not familiar with it um and he so he worked there as a farmer so and one of the things they would do is they would uh you know they would harvest a field of wheat and how that would work is there's basically a rectangular field um and so there are four guys with scythes one starts at each corner, and they basically walk towards each other with a scythe and slowly work their way, their way inward. And uh, it turns out that there are always, like, some animals within the field. And so as this happens, the animals all start to retreat inwards. And so they get more and more concentrated. And then eventually, like, little uh, field mice and things start running over your feet to escape. And then the very last thing that happens is just a bunch of birds just burst out of the field and fly away. Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: that job sounds terrible.
1: Well, it's uh, it sounds a little terrifying if you're an animal, but uh, I don't know. It's a it's a picture that is stuck with me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and then where in Jersey were you for a little bit? Montclair. Oh yeah, my wife is from Bloomfield. Oh yeah, right there. One town over, and every time we're there, we always end up in Montclair. Oh yeah, um, right.
1: I mean, I was there. So I have a friend who. Uh, I went to college with and then we both got a job at the same internet startup and we were looking for apartments and, you know, this is the late nineties. And I think it's even crazier now, but it was just difficult to find a place that was cheap and convenient. And, um, but we, that's why
0: Northern New Jersey exists.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Montclair, like after going to, uh, looking around Manhattan and, um, um, you know, and some other kind of neighboring urban places. And then we were in Montclair and we're like, there's a park every 10 feet in this town. And so there are trees and there's a bus line. So why not just find a place here? So we
0: did. Yeah, and, I couldn't tell you how many freelance writer, comedian, artist type I know or I've met that somehow live in the most expensive place I can imagine. And every time I'm in my head, I'm like, why don't you just move to Jersey and commute?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a long distance, but you know you can sleep on the bus. I always did.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not ideal, but if you're like a non—I mean, I don't know. I assume I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just assuming anyone I'm thinking of. And I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but like anyone, if you're that struggling for freelance, you must be having some uh, mom and dad cash coming in.
1: Yeah, that's definitely part of. But I mean, you living know. in New York
0: must be awesome as well. If you ever, if anyone's ever in Montclair, there is a awesome comic book shop called East... But- Eastside Side Mags, where the owner of that was a wonderful Jeff Beck came on, and super nice dude. And I've been to Montclair a bunch of times since, and I always end up there. What a fucking beautiful town! Like, except it's extremely expensive.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll have to check that out because my friend uh, Craig still lives there. Um, he stayed there after I moved away again.
0: So. Uh... Yeah, I mean, if I there was a period in my life where we were gonna move back down there, but then I end up saying I'm 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 staying here, but. um so you got to see – you were in Providence when it wasn't as nice? Well, it was – I mean, uh, I got there just while
1: Waterplace Park was getting finished up. Um,
0: I can't even imagine that not being here.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, my sister also went to Brown uh, oh, the cool. four years before I – you know, so I started – in 1990 and she graduated in 1990. So she was there f- the four years before that. So we were there when the all of downtown, everything was getting torn up. They were uncovering the river and everything. Um, it made it very confusing to get around because mm-hmm. all the, all the signs were wrong. Um, you know, as opposed to the usual Providence state of things, which is that there just are no street signs. Yeah. In that case.
0: Uh, yes.
1: In that case they were there, but they were all incorrect. Um, so yeah um and then you know and then they they uncovered it and they built all the pathways and stuff and water fire got started and uh that yeah I think that happened while I, cuz I, it took me 10 years to graduate <laughs> so Okay yeah uh, um to get that bachelor's of arts degree in math which I have never used for anything
0: <laughs> Um spoken like a true college student
1: Yeah That's how we do it. So, uh, yeah. So then when it was uncovered and Waterfire started up and you you could actually go downtown and walk around, and it was really nice. I remember uh, when the mall opened and everyone, including me, thought, this is a stupid idea. This will never work. Uh, But it's still going strong. So what do you know? And, um, yeah. So I've been around for a lot of it, although for a fair amount of that time, I was a college student and basically never left brown university campus you know but
0: brown tape is so much of the east side where you i feel like you're still unmeshed with the town Like maybe you don't go down to the hill but you're still because i went to college in vermont like in a very small town mm-hmm. and it was like a little tiny bubble in this little tiny town but like brown i feel like even if you go to brown you cannot avoid going on therese street or like you can't avoid seeing some of the city
1: yeah, and Thayer Street, I mean, I'm feeling like an old, I'm kind of talking like an old fogey here, but Thayer Street used to be like all those shops were local merchants. You know, there were a bunch of, there were two or three CD stores, a bunch of restaurants. Uh, there were not really any chain restaurants. And now it's mostly chains, and that always yeah, that, kind I of bumps me out.
0: That's not my area, to be quite honest. Where, yeah. I mean, I, cause I live on the um, Asian hipster part of town. Uh huh. I don't know if that narrows it down for you, like the west side.
1: Yeah, that's what I was guessing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I live in the oh, west side. So like um but I, I love it over here. It's a yeah. fucking great city. I, I and it's funny when you I meet people who like live in New York and like you don't come here? Like I don't know why more performers aren't just taking the 3-hour drive, performing and going like do a hop stop in New Haven, do come to Providence, do Boston, loop home and make like a little <laughs> weekend tour.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it really should be, you know, cuz Boston's right there. New Haven's there. Um, so, and 95 goes straight through it. So, if you're going up to Boston from New York, you will definitely drive through Providence.
0: And we have a ton of venues. There's a lot of great performance places here. I mean, and the food scene is just out of control.
1: Yeah. And, you know, some of them are like mid-size or you know i mean lupo's is pretty big those the providence performing arts center and then there are also some smaller places too so
0: yeah cuz even those like the as220s and the firehouse 13 and simons like there's even those like little places where like an artist who can't do a lupo's but like there's a, a, a smaller act could do
1: yeah no yeah it's uh right and and sometimes it does happen but other times it doesn't i i'll tell you about like the best musical experience of my life in Providence, um, <clears throat> which I, I don't know. Uh, like I listen to a lot of Americana type music, which mm-hmm. I, I, don't know if that's your, uh, I enjoy it for thing sure. Or not. Yeah. So do you know Gillian Welch?
0: Yes. Yes, I do.
1: Okay. And you know, um, her musical partner and guitar and other vocalist is David Rollins. That's, they, you know they're in a long-term relationship and they also play and sing together. And, That's adorable. And he's an uh, excellent guitar player. And so um, I'm not sure how long ago this was, but he was booked to play at the Newport Folk Festival. Uh, as so, it was going to be the same two people, Gillian Welch and David Rawlings, except he was going to be the band leader for this show in Newport. And it was one of those these things, as I understand it, which. I, who knows how well I understand it. But my understanding, at least, is that, you know, as as part of the Gilliam Welch band, he would occasionally sing it, you know, do take lead on a song or, or whatever. You know, you would do one or two songs in a in a uh, show. But he didn't really have a set of music per se with her. So what they. And he grew up in Slatersville, which is just north of. Providence, I think it's in Rhode Island still, but, you know, north end of Rhode Island. Um, So his parents lived there. So he was thinking, like, either they could practice, they could go there the week before Newport Folk Festival and practice in the basement for a week, or they could get some free shows around town, not tell anyone, but just play these shows and practice it that way. And so that's what they did. So they did four shows, and... Uh, I went to two of them. The the first night they played at Cafe Zog. You know what that is? No. It's a sandwich place on uh Wickenden Street. Okay, yeah. And the way the Cafe Zog works is they don't have a booking agent or anything. You just go in and there's a calendar and you write your name on a date if you want to play then. That's how they do their booking. So they went so David Rollins went in and you know it was like, hey, do you think we could play there? And like, sure, just put your name on the calendar. So he did, but whoever was the you, you know, like the owner had no idea, nobody knew anything, and no, you know, people didn't recognize his name. So apparently they played that show to like two or three people. <laughs> and then the second night they went to Nikony's, which is a bar in the jewelry district, where where I had played shows there with my friend Chris Monty, like a hundred times. And so I went to that one and I was just sitting like ten feet away from them, uh, and they were standing, you know, exact same place that Chris and I have been standing a million times. And uh, I, it was just like I was just so happy. It was just the happiest I have ever been, practically. Uh, and that was just great experience. And they did a song. They did uh, this grand Parsons song called Sin City, which Chris and I had played, you know. And there they were, and they and and Dave Rons did this completely ridiculous solo. Um, which would, like, every measure was, like, a a segment from a completely different solo from every other measure. It was, like, I just laughed out loud, and and it was just great. Uh, And then I think after that, they played at the Century Lounge, which no longer exists. And then Friday, they played at AS220, and by that time, the cat was kind of out of the bag, and that was super packed. Uh, But that was kind of funny, because they... AS220, they have like four bands in a night, and so they were the first band, and then there were just three other random local bands on the bill. <laughs> so um, I imagine those other bands did pretty well at the door that night because it always just gets split three ways
0: that's or four That's so ways. cool.
1: But, uh, yeah, so that was fantastic.
0: So how uh, long have you been making your own music for? Um, I mean, in theory, that's why you're here, so maybe I should bring it up.
1: 20, oh, sure. 20 minutes
0: yeah. in. That's a, that's a radio trick. <laughs> well, you know,
1: yeah, no, you know, I mean, I'm not really here to promote anything in particular. Like, no, no, stuff no, I obviously.
0: No. I always notice that I have guests on, and then I always get wrapped up. I was like, I mean, generally, this isn't the best promotion machine, but it's like, oh yeah, I should probably talk about the thing they're here for. Eventually, <laughs> I wow. just had um, a, a gentleman on; it hasn't aired yet, and he played in the band, um, which I wasn't too very. They were from the. They're called Oxford Collapse, and. I didn't really know a ton about him, but I knew his podcast and we talked for a solid hour. And I was like, I didn't ask you about the thing you were most known for. And he's like, yeah, I kind of like that better because like the that, that story has been told. This is just fun to bullshit. Yeah. But I, I am curious to learn about your music.
1: Well, sure. Uh, oh, so how long? Have I, so, um, I mean, Chris and I started. So basically, you know, I just sort of been playing on my own guitar and piano um, since like high school, basically. And then but I'd never really played out. Um, but Chris asked me to be in a band with him and Chris, is, you know, I just have an immense respect for him. He's a great songwriter and one of the best musicians I know. And so when he asked me to be in a band, I'm like, well, I'm not going to turn that down. So we started playing out. We had some really terrible shows, which were something else. Um, and then after, I don't know, I would say five or six years ago, maybe, maybe more like seven, um, I decided, well, maybe I could start writing some songs of my own. And, you know, and it started out just like these goofy songs that I wrote for friends of mine. Uh, but then I started playing them out on my own and, and playing shows by myself. And, um, and that's mostly what I do these days. I uh, still, Chris and I still play together sometimes, but mostly what I do is just play solo. Um, and you know, my songs are, uh, on a variety of subjects. Uh, <laughs> The first song I wrote, uh, uh, or one of the first things I wrote was for a friend of mine. It's called um, Watching Killer Robots Eat Your Head. <laughs> and the story behind that song, this is, this is an exclusive. This is a uh, Let's Chat exclusive. I never told this story in public, um, but I think enough time has passed now that I can. Uh, so um, a woman that I knew at the time uh, told me this story of how she had dated a singer-songwriter. And then they had broken up, and some years had passed. And then she noticed saw a flyer up around town that this other person was had a show someplace. She decided to go and just check it out. So she went to the show and was like at the back of the room. And the singer songwriter the singer songwriter gets up on stage and she says, before her first song, she says, "This song is about an ex girlfriend. It's called Watching You Drown." And uh, wow. yeah, so she does the song and it's clearly about my friend, like just obviously. Um, and then she finishes the song and then she starts to go in her next song. And then she looks over and sees my friend and stops playing and says, is that you? And everyone in the place just like turns around and looks at her and it was totally mortifying. So that's the whole, so that, is the story that that uh, my friend told to me. And then I was telling another friend about this, my friend Carrie, who I actually have a podcast with now. Um, and uh, Carrie said, I don't want, I don't ever want someone to write a song about me called Watching You Drown. And another friend of ours said, yeah, for you it would be watching killer robots eat my head. So, so I wrote that song. And this, the way the song starts, actually, actually have my guitar here unsurprisingly since i'm in my apartment i suppose but the way that i always <laughs> the way that i introduce the song is always this song is about you it's called watching killer robots eat your head and that's why just a little reference that no one understands to that incident
0: isn't, i feel if you're ever in a relationship with someone who's a singer-songwriter isn't that always the fear <laughs> That, uh, that you're going to break up and they're all going to be about you? Because I know there, there's a couple I'm, – I'm, I'm kind of from the punk rock school. But very famously, I the, the urban legend was that some young lady dated or cheated on – somehow uh, the sing someone from Brand New and Taking Back Sunday both wrote their first very successful albums about the same girl who – I don't know uh-huh. the whole story. And those albums have gone on to sell like probably in the millions of copies and they're very and have lustrous careers. Uh, but theoretically speaking, there's probably a young lady in Long Island that has two records written about her that became very successful. Fame. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't good. know if it's true. And then there's another story of a band, uh, Glassjaw, where he wrote a, uh, while in the hospital his girlfriend breaks up with them and he writes everything he wanted to know about silence. Hey, I don't know. That's always eat. like the lore. Like, I guess that's why you should never date art. That's why people always like never date artists.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a friend who's who wrote a song about how her ex-boyfriend asked her to stop writing songs about him. <laughs> so that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. If this interview goes terrible, am I gonna get a, like an awful song written about me?
1: Uh, you know, my songs tend to be not that literal, but just for you, <laughs> just for you, I'll write a song Call about how my te- name. Yeah.
0: Let's chat. (laughs) That would be so hard to make that a metaphor. Yeah. I'm sure you could figure it out. Mm, I
1: I could try to come up with something.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Uh, And do you play around? And then, uh, so you you play around here? Yeah.
1: um, You know, I I try to play at AS220 every few months or so. Um, And then I try, you know, what I. I used to like have four or five shows a month, and most of them would be in Providence and nearby. But that seems a little uh, tough for anyone who would actually want to go to my shows. Like, that's a lot to ask.
0: Yeah. So, Are you I like tra- a working stiff like me, like.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have a tech support job by day.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I have a, I work for Behavior Health Company, so the the is yeah. So we're both the same. Where it's like, yeah, it's our hobby, but you know,
1: right. Yeah, the day job is fine. You know, I feel like I'm pretty good at it, and it definitely enables uh, my my podcast and music pursuits.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have a hobby. And I, I want to bring up your podcast. Well, I, I listened to your podcast, uh, Tell Me About Your Song. Yeah. I have to say, it sounds like an NPR show, and I mean that as a compliment. It's <laughs> really well done. It's clear that you put a fuck ton of work into it. Uh, you don't swear as much as I do, but, like, you edit it very well. I don't know if you ever listened to Sound Explorer, Song Explorer.
1: Song Exploder, yeah. That's yeah, a great one.
0: It really reminded me of that podcast, which I absolutely love. I love the idea of it, but, like, your audio quality, and it was just like, I was like, wow, this is way better than I could ever do. Well, it. thanks.
1: No, I really appreciate that. I mean, it does take a lot of work.
0: I like, can't even imagine how much work you must put into one episode
1: um i've recently started outsourcing part of it uh there's this website fiveair.com where you can. oh yeah
0: Fiverr's great
1: yeah so i've been like um you know uh i figure out which parts of the interview i want to put together and then i send them off to someone to like take get rid of most of the tongue clicks and things like oh, that
0: good I, I think i might be getting to that point too yeah uh, i i started i have a second podcast that i just started recently with um It's about the TV show Flash, super fast Flashcast.
1: Oh, okay.
0: um, The guy I do it with Tyler is – he's in college, and he's, like, in film. But his goal, his career goal is to work in podcasting um, Mm -hmm. as, like, a sound engineer. And he does, like, freelance editing right now for podcasts. Like, it makes me happy that the medium is going to get so big. Eventually, it will spawn off, like, support jobs. Yeah. And it's kind of – you're kind of seeing that. Like, right now, anyone who's making money of it, but, like – overall it's most likely like the manufacturing companies and like the sound engineer like you can make your career of that it's like wow man that job didn't even exist 10 years ago and he so he does a lot of freelance editing and i was like i never even knew you could do that
1: yeah it's really interesting and you know um Right. Like I remember the first time I sort of became aware of podcasting and I put out a very short-lived podcast, which was basically me reading from a book that my great-great-aunt wrote, uh, children's book named uh, Mr. Tip and Mr. – or no, it's named uh, A Hat Tub Tale. Um, I don't know why I just plugged that book, which has been out of print for many years, but there it is. That's Hat how we tub. do things around here. That's right. It's pretty good. If you can find it in a used bookstore, you should. Um, and you have, you know, a young – niece or nephew or child well whatever i've gotten off on a tangent
0: um and you've listened to the show that's usually happens (laughs) uh
1: oh right yeah so then it was like um i had to find a place to put the sound files and i had to like assemble the rss feed by hand it was like such a total pain in the butt but um yeah but now like it's it's so much easier uh and it's you know i i i don't know if you use libsyn but yeah i
0: do
1: yeah um it's just you know uploaded and it does everything for you and you just don't have to worry about it it's like
0: oh when you get to see numbers and where it gets downloaded from and
1: (sighs) the numbers are the bane of my existence my god do you like i don't i'm not as bad as i used to be but i used to obsess over them so much
0: you know what's really weird about it as a little inside baseball for everyone um I got to a point where I don't care about them only because I hit a certain number that I always wanted. So the second mm. I got what I wanted, I don't care. But if they ever dip below, I won't be happy. So it's like I very, I'm very cocky to be like, they don't. I don't do this for the downloads because I obviously don't. But then, I mean, I did this for like a good year before I was like getting 20. If one, I would post an episode and want that to get 20 episodes in a week. And now yeah. I'm way beyond that. And I'm like, all right, I'm kind of at my dream number and I'm, but I also am on a network, and they they host to SoundCloud and have a separate feed, so there's a whole other set of numbers I don't see.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: So I'm pretty sure that everyone I know I've met who has a show is way bigger than mine, but I'm also like, eh, I'm happy. Hmm. But yeah, I usually have like a, a number I want it to hit, and then when it does, I don't give a shit, but <clears> when <throat> it doesn't, I become upset. It's very weird. <laughs> it's yeah. like money. The more you have, the easier it is not to care about it.
1: Right. But it's I'm not, not there with money,
0: just so if everyone's listening. If you want to give, give <laughs> us some, you can.
1: But yeah, I definitely remember like the 30 downloads a week days, and I would like just look at these numbers, and I'd be like, who are these people? Why yes. are they listening?
0: Why is someone in Virginia? And, and it's never people you know anymore. I think you go for a... Like, no one yeah. I know gives a shit. Yeah. It's all people I've met through doing the show, or through social media, or the person I always think it's my show is very guest driven. So I'm like, Oh, it's obviously guests, but sometimes you have proven wrong and it feels really good. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: I, I always think that, I mean, uh, having a guest who, um, particularly one who will like sort of promote the, the episode that they've been on is always, you know, that's always useful and you can definitely see that in the stats, but I find that the numbers are pretty, st- pretty, um, steady, even if, people don't really do that. So that makes me feel that there are people who actually subscribe to it and listen to it so regularly. So that's always a good feeling even if I have no idea who those people are.
0: Can you explain your show to the people? I realize I should do that. Early. Oh,
1: I suppose. Uh, so um, so basically the idea of the song is, the idea of the song. The idea of the show is that I have a songwriter on and they I I ask them to pick a song in advance. And then we talk about that song, and usually we talk for forty around forty five minutes, give or take. It's it's often longer. And then afterwards, I edit it very severely. I edit it down to usually around twenty or thirty minutes. Um, and uh, then there and at the beginning, there's generally a little clip of the song, and then at the end, there's the whole thing, so people can hear what we've been talking about. And um, you know, a lot of the people I have on are singer-songwriters because that's mostly who i know but i've also had uh you know electronic dance guy um i had some a uh, classical composer come on to talk about an act from his opera uh i had you know rock and roll country you know i had i try to get a variety of of people in so it's been a lot of fun it's you know, I've learned, I've listened to a lot of new music, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do it. And it's been a, you know, it's been fun and rewarding and, um, yeah, so that's, that's the basic deal. Um, the, one of the things, one of the, I mean, there are like four or five different origin stories about this, uh, all of which I mostly tell to myself cause I don't know how, why anyone would care <laughs> really. But, um, but now one someone of the, cares. Isn't this weird for you? I know. It's great. Thank you. Tell me about your podcast. That's the new... Let's chat. Um, <laughs> that's your alternative title. I've renamed it for you. you can I like see, it. Check. Um, so, one of the things that I, I've observed is, like, songwriters are, are are often kind of reticent to talk about their own songs. Like, there aren't a lot of opportunities to do it. Like, if you're on stage... Uh, I feel like most musicians are very aware that the audience mostly wants to hear you actually play music and their patience is limited for you to just sort of go off and talk about stuff. And also you, you kind of feel like your song should stand on its own without a lot of introduction. So you don't really want to talk about it in that much depth on stage. And then if you're in an interview, usually you're talking about an album or your entire career or something. And so the ability to, focus on individual songs is also kind of limited there. So I just thought here's a niche that I can go into and I hopefully can do it a good, an okay job. Um, part of it is also that since the goal of it is for the other person, the songwriter, to pick us something that they really want to talk about and they think is interesting that I don't actually have to do a ton of preparation. <laughs> um, it's kind of all on them. That's really appealing to me as a lazy person. Uh, and although I do, you know, I try to listen to the song a bunch of times and I do take notes, but a lot of times it doesn't go anywhere. And then by making it really edited, that means that I can also be kind of freewheeling with the, you know, we can be kind of freewheeling with the conversation. We can go at the same thing from a few different angles. And if the same thing gets said a few different times, I can just take the best version of it and slot it in. Um, so I mean, I feel like I'm another person who has been influenced by Mark Maron, but my podcast is kind of the opposite of his podcast. Like his is very long form and kind of rambly. And I'm not sure. I think it does get edited somewhat, but it it feels very unedited. And um, so one of the things when I was putting mine together is I sort of thought of, complaints that people have about that podcast in particular you know even complaints that i don't really agree with like a lot of people don't like his little introductions where he talks about what's going on in his life and everything yeah, you
0: could just skip it
1: i know i don't have a problem with it i like it i always listen to it i never skip over that
0: yeah uh, but I... one of the biggest complaints uh, i think i have about your podcast now is uh thinking you don't complain about your failed snl edition oh yeah well you know Enough. so <laughs> I'm you, waiting for
1: you to ask who my guys
0: are. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm wondering what your fail, your one experience with Lauren Michaels was 20 years ago, and how you projected all your daddy issues onto that. Yeah, one well, moment. you know,
1: it's true. No, I mean, I I went into uh, um, 30 Rockefeller Center and. I went up to the office, and then the security guard came and asked me what I was doing there, and I didn't really have an answer, so I just got kicked out. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure that Lauren Michaels, you know, I think that that was a formative moment in the development of the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, there would be no your, your podcast wouldn't exist without your failed non snl edition. Yeah, <laughs> I love pretty... when people complain about his po- his, po- his free podcast.
1: Well, yeah, there's that certainly that aspect to it. But too. I
0: think he's also someone who invites the complainers because he also would engage back with that kind of stuff yeah i mean i've listened to his show for a while it's very strange because i understand there's like a one-sided relationship i have with him i know i don't know mark maron but i sure feel like i do i've listened to a fucking hundreds of his podcast episodes i watch a show i read one of his books like i listen mm-hmm. to him on other shows like i know i don't know him but i feel like we're talking about a mutual friend of ours
1: yeah yeah no i, I know exactly what you mean by that
0: and he's just so personal, though. Like, he. that There's somebody you don't want to date because if that goes poorly. Like we, yeah. we all know about him and Jess and his yeah. failed fiance.
1: We do. Yeah, we Poor sure Jess. do. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Um, yeah, that's.
0: Uh, yeah, he asked Obama who his guys were.
1: I know. That was great. I love that.
0: Obama's like, uh. Oh.
1: And I liked his. Uh, you know, I listened to his interview with Lauren Michaels. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I thought that was great too. Um, on uh, the AV Club, people in the comments were not kind about it, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. I mean, maybe well, the AV it's, Club
0: has... kinda is just the epitome of asking for snark.
1: Yeah, well, that's... And,
0: I, and I love the AV Club, but their comment section is just snark central. Yeah, and those are the comedy elitists who like Nickelback or vice versa.
1: <laughs> for sure. Yeah.
0: Take that, I hope A.B. Club. B club comes after us. I would love Yeah. It. We're not at – I don't know about you. I'm not at a level where I get trolls, so that would be like a great problem.
1: No. I mean I occasionally uh, kind of feel slighted that people don't troll me. But then I think – but if they actually did, I would hate it so much.
0: Yeah. You know, podcasts is <laughs> a vacuum. You get no interaction with people, which yeah. is good and bad, but <laughs> –
1: Right. But that's always like I mean that's why I was always so obsessive over the numbers when I was starting out. It's like I was like who's are who's listening to this? Like is it musicians? Is it per, people who know me? Is it Yeah. people who, you know, just enjoy listening to music or, you, you know, don't who do not want is to is ask it?
0: your friends because it seems desperate? Yes. Like, "Hey, oh. um, did you ever listen to my It is awesome and then awkward when it happens when you're not expecting it and someone's just kind of offhandedly references something. You're like, "What?" Like, I remember I was at an old job, and I was with someone, and they are like, hey, the cat cave, or something, and that's how I, I call my, my studio, the cat mm-hmm. cave, because my cat Belle always comes in and fucks up everything. She used to ruin my in-person episodes all the time. Oh, yeah. It was adorable. But then I was like, yeah, whoa, you've listened?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, something happened recently for the first time, which is I asked uh, someone to be on the podcast and they were like, oh, I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. I was like, seriously? Wow. Wow.
0: That's a dream. And uh, so you also do Love Ya Like Crazy, which is Love YA, Young Adult Fiction, which I'm sorry, I did not get to listen to. Uh, I also didn't love Young Adult Fiction, so I didn't um, think I would have much to add to that. Fair enough. I I, have nothing against it. I just, but I did. I do like the Hunger Games. So,
1: okay, is that okay? That that is fine. I Uh, didn't read the
0: books. I just saw the movies. You are not required.
1: No. Um. Well, sort of how that podcast started was like I've been doing. Um, um, tell me about your song for a while, and the thing about tell me about your song is that when I edit it, uh, pretty much everything I say gets taken out. Uh, You may have noticed it's almost all the other person at
0: all. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, well, it's I just cut it all out as much as possible because I just want it to be about the other person as much as possible. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like this is something that says something about my personality. So this is a podcast which, in you know, which is in a sense uh, completely about what the other person is saying and it, all the focus is there. And yet. Um, I put it together and I control every millisecond of th- of audio that's in that thing. You know, if it's in there, it's because I wanted it there. So, so I get to uh, focus on the other person and also be a complete control freak. So that's great. But uh, it occurred to me that it would be nice to have another podcast where I actually said things. That was, that was basically the theory. And so I was trying, but I couldn't quite figure out what that podcast would be or what its purpose for existing would be. Um, and so I was kind of talking to a, a friend about it, and I, we were kind of joking around And at one point. I said, yeah, maybe it should be a podcast about young adult fiction with Carrie. Um, and she's like, that sounds like a great idea. I would listen to that. I said, like, yeah, I, that does sound like a good idea. I would I would listen to that too. So that's how it got started. I asked her if she would be interested, and she was Carrie. Um, and Carrie's a friend of mine who used to live in Providence, uh, but then moved away um a few years ago uh and has since she she now lives in north carolina she's got a husband and um a kid and so i i very rarely see her and but she also she's in a ya book club and she um i'm not sure if she has it quite yet but She's definitely working on it, and I think she might actually have it in hand, a, a degree in library science. And she is also just, like, hilarious and smart and, you know, I mean, you you notice that I don't swear a lot. That's not because I have, object to swearing in any way. It's just I never – I don't know. I never did growing up. I just never got in the habit, really. Um, but uh, she, you know, she's very profane, and I don't know. She's She's just hilarious. So – I asked her if she wanted to do it and she said yes. So we so about once a month we record an episode. It's on a completely irregular schedule. And uh and we put out um I think ten episodes now, something like that. Uh, and the very first episode we did was about this book called Awoken by Sarah Ellenson, And um that book is uh, kind of a satire on YA um Supernatural romance, like, you know, Twilight-type books. So uh, it's like Twilight, except that instead of vampires, the lead, you know, the romantic lead is Cthulhu. So it's got this whole Lovecraftian horror thing, and it's just like this horribly written parody of uh, YA fiction and uh we both thought it was hilarious and, and it also it's set in Newport for some reason.
0: Oh, I've had a few um authors on one author author and then the rest were erotica authors, which
1: Oh yeah, I think I might have heard one or two of those.
0: I didn't know that's such a big genre, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And uh well I guess what did what is he what did he call it? Bizarro fiction?
1: Oh, like, uh, I, I haven't heard that term, but, like, fan fiction? Oh, where... it was, um,
0: his name is Christopher Paul. He also goes by the name Mandy Desandra. But I had got him on at this right time where, like, he was going fucking huge. or, or He wrote a book called, like, Kirk Cameron and the Kirk Goods, whatever that weird magic animal. It was a Kirk Cameron erotic fiction, Bizarro fiction mm-hmm. book. Uh, he was a really cool guy. <clears throat> Not Kirk Cameron. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> sure. Christopher Paul is yep, i'm with you <laughs> yeah i figured if you listen to the show you must i just think everyone hates kirk cameron except his three people let's <laughs> but... talk about how bananas prove that there's a god yeah i don't know how to expand on that without punching him that's <laughs> fair enough i <laughs> could he not pick a more phallic thing like
1: well yeah no that's uh right i suppose that's another proof that there's a god
0: oh it looks like a dick it's hilarious
1: yeah <laughs> right how could it be that hilarious if we were not created by God to look like a penis, <laughs> it's
0: just, I've watched that argument and I like tried to one time, like really watch it and like listen and not be judgmental. And I was like, you didn't say anything. <laughs> you just talked for a long time and then said, yep. here's my conclusion. And that's how podcasting
1: was invented. So
0: yeah, uh... that's pretty close. <laughs> but have you ever, do you guys do guests? Like you guys should have like Dana on your show that would be great yeah um
1: we've we've had a couple of guests and i i need i need to talk to carrie about that and see um i
0: actually don't know her in real life either i just want to offer her services
1: <laughs> yeah i know no i mean I, it seems like a natural because she has that parody account and i think she's posted on twitter that she's been working on some kind of ya novel so yeah, that's
0: and she's very funny
1: right and, so there um, you go
0: and a, and um charitable with the was it the the Grange? I thought that was a really cool, cool cause the, the nonprofit thing to for to encourage more young women to write.
1: Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool too. I did. I pledged to it, but I guess it didn't make its goal, unfortunately.
0: And yeah, that's why Kickstarter sucks. You got to do what is the other one? Indiegogo. Indiegogo. That's the one where you keep the money no matter what. Yeah. So that's right. I think the, I, I don't know much about their scenario, but I I knew someone who did raised uh, short f- funds for a short film and they purposely chose Indiegogo because they get whatever gets pledged if they meet their goal or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always used Kickstarter just partly because I feel like it makes me really think about
0: what my budget has to be and what I really need. Yeah, that old kickstart. Ew. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I've never, I've never used any of those things because I'm not what you'd call a creative person. <laughs> I like TV and music and art a lot, but I don't like to make it or well, no how to rather.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm skeptical, but we'll set that aside. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So the yeah, she seems very funny, and I could say like, hey, you remember that guy who said are you on twitter at after your open mic set that's me and you should be on my podcast
0: um hey you would be surprised how uh, great twitter is i've talked gotten some people on here that i never should have ever had any great talking to <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i should use that more actually
0: it's, yeah uh, um i got a writer from the daily show on here cuz i saw them perform at the at the columbus and then we spoke on twitter mm. and then he came on and i was like huh weird
1: Yeah, the Columbus. That's another great local venue. Yeah, a
0: lot of weird music and then some good comedy here and there, but I I really like it.
1: Yeah, I need to go. Like, I've seen some, you know, like um, some great comedy acts scheduled for there, but I haven't been able to make it to them yet. Like, I saw, I think played there, I think. I should have.
0: I'm so regretting not going to that show. And I remember I could walk there. I forgot. At the time, I wasn't very hip tour, like I liked her but then since I've seen that documentary on her I feel like much more of akin to her comedy
1: mhm
0: yeah I saw Kyle Kinane there I went to the writers of the daily show and I went to Eugene Merman was there once cool it was like Eugene Merman and Kurt Braunohler I like stand up in person but I don't generally like to listen to it like I'm not like oh I gotta listen to this new Ron Funches album I just but if he comes around here I'll go see him
1: mm-hmm
0: kind of thing that's where more i'm at Did you happen to go to comic-con
1: i did not i i uh i had kind of wanted to and then the weekend was looking kind of busy and then i got sick so oh, sorry to hear that but uh yeah it looked like there was a really cool bunch of people there i um uh let's see i think there were some x-files people there weren't there
0: i don't i'm not an x-files <sighs> person i'm sorry oh.
1: the guy who played uh skinner um <sighs> I should remember his name, but I can't. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it was yeah, I had but, a good time. I went on Saturday. I had a, a lot of fun. But...
1: I, I only went once, uh, uh, I think two years ago.
0: Yeah, and that's when I went to two years ago when there was that shooting at LAX. So like everyone canceled because they couldn't fly out here.
1: Yeah. And I had never been to a convention like that before. Yeah, me and, neither. It's my and, uh, only one. And I, yeah. And I sometimes like have trouble with crowds, but I really had a good time there. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I heard then then I heard the next year it was terrible because they oversold the tickets. But then this mm-hmm. year it was two buildings, so it was cool. And you know I, the celebrity stuff is cool, but I, there's a lot of other cool stuff going on. But it was cool because um, Ron Funches, speaking of, was performing and he was walking the floor, and I was like, oh my god, I love Ron Funches. I had to go say hi. So, and I'm kind of weird about celebrities because I like, I don't give a shit because I know they don't care. So mm-hmm. I want to do that thing where like I don't care, but I kind of want to. So I'm just very polite and quick because you don't want to be a pain in anyone's ass. And he was just really nice. I was like, oh, you know, a big fan. And he's like – I was with my wife. He's like, well, you two are adorable. It was really sweet. I was like, oh, cool, run Funches. so I step back like a foot and I turn and I bump into someone and it was Henry Winkler. <laughs> so I was like really excited to meet one of my favorite comedians and all of a sudden I bump into the Fonz. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's, that's a Comic-Con in a nutshell for everyone that you might accidentally walk into uh, – uh, Barry Zuckercorn from Rest of Development.
1: Perfect. Yeah, and that's uh, – I kind of feel like that's a Rhode Island story too where like you just can't – you can't avoid people. You just run into people everywhere.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, well, man, yeah. thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, where can people find you on the old internets?
1: Okay. Um, my website's at music.jwg. My website's at music.jwgh.org and then Tell Me About Your Song. has a website at tellmeaboutyoursong.com or you can find it on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. Similarly, Love Why Like Crazy is at like crazy.com or on iTunes, etc. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook and uh, like every damn thing. At one point on my website, it is, I thought it would be funny to just put an icon for every single stupid social networking thing. And they were like, a dozen little like you know it's like a little bowl of candy or something just all these little rounded rectangles off to the left anyway that's not funny to anyone except me well thank you so much and uh, have a good rest of your night after the show i had packed up my guitar you caught my eye you were standing at the bar you flashed me a knowing grin Looking so good it was half a sin I felt myself start to fall in lust My brain began to whirl Till I thought it might combust And I woke up The taste of stale tequila in my mouth I looked around, I was all alone How could you do it? You were so beautiful A few more drinks And a half a pack of smokes We talked for hours You laughed at all my jokes Then we went back to your hotel We did some things that I shouldn't tell I felt myself start to fall asleep You made me feel so safe Well it almost made me weep And I woke up, the taste of Stealth Tequila in my mouth I looked around, I was all alone How could you do it? You were so beautiful It said, "Call 911." I stole your kidney. Thanks for the fun. I felt myself start to fall apart. Well, I know you took my kidney, but you also stole my heart. And I woke up, the taste of tequila in my mouth. I looked around, I was all alone. How could you do it? You were so beautiful